We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to Cash Considerations. This is a very special episode. It's the 50th episode of Cash Considerations, which means it's lasted longer than all my other failed podcast attempts combined. I'm Ricky. I'm here with Jason. Uh, Jason, how you feeling? We made it to 50. Yeah, 50. And I feel like it's perfect timing because we got training camp is starting up. I know a few teams have their media days coming up this week and starting camp this weekend. The Bulls will be, I believe, their media day is Monday and camp right after that. So exciting stuff. This is Episode number 50 for Cast Considerations, new bull season starting up. This will be the Zach Levine podcast, as if you guys have been following along, obviously we've been doing the whole Bulls core four players. Last week was Wendell Carter Jr., we did Larry Markin first, then we did Otto Porter Jr. This this week will be Zach Levine. Uh, before we start talking about him, just a few quick Bulls notes. Uh, a few mi- minor signings as they uh, complete their training camp roster. I know they're bringing in... Justin Simon, and then I believe it's Milton Doyle, who uh, loyal, former Loyola Rambler. Shout out to them. Shout out to uh, that is sister. Is that Sister Jean, or is that some, a different team? I, am I screwing this up? No, you got it right. Okay, that's what, uh, that's what I thought. Yeah, yeah, but he wasn't on that team. I don't. You're right. Yeah, I'm just, yeah. He was there the year before. Milton Doyle was actually he went to Marshall High School, uh, which is the high school where the movie Hoop Dreams is based around. Patrick Beverly also went to Marshall High School, traditionally one of the best high school basketball programs in the city. He attended Kansas actually out of high school. I believe he was like uh, kind of like a low four star recruit or high three star recruit, and it was a great get for Loyola. He uh, he transferred out of Kansas I think after only a year and. Uh, he ended up, you know, going to Loyola, having a really good career there. So, uh, yeah, two pretty interesting signings for the Bulls. I know that Justin Simon, he had a big profile as a recruit and as a college player. He is a defensive first guard. He's someone who, uh, you know, Shaq Harrison sets the bar pretty high just in terms of perimeter defense, but that's kind of the type of player he is. I think he's stronger uh, physically, and hopefully he has a little bit more game offensively, but he's a, you know, his bread and butter is at the defensive end as a guard. So, uh, you know, two two pretty interesting additions, I think, for the Bulls uh, preseason camp and, you know, guys who might help them just, like, set the edge, set the tone for the beginning yeah. of the season. Yeah, Doyle actually does have some brief NBA experience. He played 10 games for the Brooklyn Nets in 2017. 
2017-2018. As we've talked about, the Bulls roster basically at this point is probably mostly set. They do, if we, I'm assuming Shaq Harrison is making the roster. He's a partially guaranteed deal. Uh, as lo- I don't think Chris Dunn's going to get traded at this point. It seems like anything there is dead. So they do have basically 15 guys. I think they're locked in base for their final roster. But as we mentioned, these guys come to camp. They'll play hard. They do have one two-way deal left. They have Adam McCook on a two-way deal. They have one other one. So I'm assuming uh, one of one of the, that deal could go to one of these guys. We'll see if they bring in anybody else. They do. You can bring 20 guys to camp. Uh, and then I think plus, I think it's 20 plus the two ways, or it's or it might be 20 including the two way two way guys. I can't remember exactly, but they do have some room for a few more players. We'll see if they make any more moves before camp starts up. Um, but yeah, again, camp starts next week. A few new guys in there. We'll see. We'll see how that the Bulls roster shakes up. Uh, but this podcast yeah. again, do you have anything else about these guys? No, no. Let's talk about Zach Levine right, because I, I I got something here for you on Zach Levine. Right. So you know, last year, Jason, you might have heard about this, but coming into the season, Zach Levine signed a four year, seventy eight yes. million dollar contract. That was a contract where after a rough initial season with the Bulls, where he was coming off the torn ACL, it was very controversial. Uh, We debated it constantly. Mm -hmm. Uh, Pretty much every member of the fan base had a opinion on whether or not Zach Levine was worth the money. So now, after his first year is behind him, this year he is entering the season making, I have the number right here, $19,500,000 for the year. Jason. Where do you think that ranks him within the NBA's highest paid players? What number do you think he is among the NBA's highest paid players? So there are like 400-some players in the NBA, uh, like 100-ish? It makes him number 56. 56, all right. So for all of the consternation about how much money Zach Levine's making, he's only the 56th highest paid player in the NBA. Now I'm going to run down the entire list of guys in the 50s. Number 51 is Ryan Anderson. Number 52 is Tim Hardaway Jr. Number 53 is Malcolm Brogdon's new deal with the Indiana Pacers, making $20 million. Number 54, Terry Rozier. Number 55, Aaron Gordon. Number 56, Zach Levine. Number 57, Kemp Bazemore. Number 58, Tyler Johnson. Number 59, Goran Dragic. Number 60, Jeff Teague. I think that Zach Levine is quite possibly the best player of that group. Brogdon's very good, no doubt. Uh, Aaron Gordon, I always thought, could be better in a better yeah, role. For sure. Uh, with that being said, though, Zach Levine being the 56th best play, highest paid player in the NBA, I think that that is a fair place for him to live up to. Now, Levine's actual rank within the league's best players has been hotly debated yes. and very polarizing. SI came out with the list at the yep. beginning of the preseason that ranked him as the 90th overall player in the NBA. Uh, ESPN then came out with one. I don't have the exact number. I do. I do. Uh, 55, which is like perfect for this the 56th highest player, and ESPN has, has him at 55, which I think is totally fair. I think that that nine. I do understand the the polarization. The defense is bad. I mean, you you debate the impact like overall, but I feel like 90 because I think these what these rankings have been doing is like this is how he's going to play this season. I feel like 90 is kind of kind of bogus for him. I think 55, 56 around a top 50 player I think makes a lot more sense. It's skeptical, but at the same time, he's a guy who, like Matt Moore was saying on this podcast a few weeks ago, he has production. He hasn't yet had impact. So I do think it's fair to have some skepticism about that. Levine is another guy, and we'll talk about this more later. I think he would really fit in a 
like better in a better role he'd be a more productive player in a better role or be a more impactful player in a role he is more suited for on the bulls he is you know kind of the default alpha superstar player he's the guy with the ball in his hands making the decisions time and again down the floor when the bulls need a bucket zach levine is mostly getting the ball we'll we'll discuss whether we think that he's best fit for that role moving forward in this podcast but uh you know just to set sort of the stakes and the context around zach levine's season the man is the 56th highest paid player in the nba and i personally think it is not outrageous to believe he can live up to that contract. I'm sure the pro Levine faction of the fan base probably thinks he's much better than a top 50 player right now. Uh, so those are kind of the stakes, Jason, going into this season. Yeah, because like his numbers, obviously, just the basic numbers, they look great. Last year, career season, almost averaged 24 a game, almost five assists, four and a half rebounds on pretty damn good efficiency. Obviously, the Bulls are awful. The actual offensive rating for the overall season was bad, but shot almost 47% overall, 37% from three, 83% from the line. That's That was good for a 57.4 true shooting percentage, and that's on a 30-plus usage. That's really dang good on a team that was, especially with all the injuries, lacking weapons beside him. And when we saw the team actually play really well in February, he was putting up outrageous numbers like just the efficiency I believe was way over 60 uh he's putting up similar scoring numbers we saw the playmaking get improved as well so like we've seen him be just a one of the better offensive players in the league over decent stretches of play, I, almost the full season like he was one of the probably a better one of the better offensive players if you look at some of the advanced stats again maybe not I know his like offensive RPM wasn't super high among guards but I mean it was still really good Obviously, there are the big questions about defense, and you talk about the role. Like, I feel like he probably is miscast as an actual like alpha on a really good team. But I mean, if he was like your second scorer, your second playmaker, I really, I think he's really good uh, in terms of just the offensive part. Um, in terms of overall offense, I do think he could also be better, shoot more three pointers. He only took like five three pointers game last year. I feel like he should be taking eight, seven, or eight. Like, because I know that last season. And I think we talked about this. Uh, Donnell Mayberry at The Athletic did a really good long column with him. I think he was going through and talking to Zach, talking to Boylan about uh, his shot selection and about how they're trying to get him to get rid of some of those like pull-up, step-back, long twos that he takes. Just turn those into three-pointers, man. Like You're a really good shooter. You can make tough three-pointers. I'd rather have him take tough threes than some of those pull-up twos that he sometimes likes to take. And I think he realizes that. And we know he is a guy who's a really hard worker. We we see on Instagram all summer the work that he puts in. We talked about this in a pod earlier in the summer, looking through some of his Instagram videos and stuff like that. The guy works his ass off. I think he gets it. I think he realizes what he has to do. It's just a matter of him putting it into practice and whether he can actually do that, whether his basketball IQ, his actual decision-making, when it comes on to crunch time, whether he can actually do that. And there, that's still up for debate. Uh, at least on the offensive end and the defensive end, we know the defensive awareness is a huge problem because, I mean, if you look at the athleticism and you feel like he should be a decent defender, we see him sometimes locked down what, if he's playing one-on-one defense. But if you're looking at pick-and-roll defense, if you're looking at help side stuff, it can get really, really ugly. Again, I think he he, he knows this. It's just a matter of putting it into practice. So at the beginning of the year, Zach Levine, uh, you know, with marketing out, yeah. this was before you had... Uh, Porter Jabari was already moved to the bench so Levine really had this huge burden on him to be right. a scorer and right out of the gates the dude was fucking sick he went 
four straight games to open the season with 30 plus points in the month of October last year, averaged 28 a game. Then the burden, or, you know, the burden he was carrying eventually started to wear on him a little bit. After a 2 OT game against the Knicks on November 5th, he dropped 41 in that game. His production started to tail off a little bit. His March in particular, or his January in particular, I should say, I think only 20 points per game. Uh, and then, you know, once the Bulls finally got their full complement of players back, Levine got healthy, you saw the production in March, uh, or in February, I should say, uh, go back up again. So we were talking about just how good Zach Levine was in February when the Bulls uh, had their hot streak basically bayoued by great play from Lowry Markinen and the arrival of Otto Porter Jr. Well, Zach Levine, I feel like, doesn't get talked about too much for his contribution during their February play, but he was really, really good. He averaged 24.5 points per game. He took five threes and hit 49% of them. He hit 53% of his field goals with (laughs) 5.8 assists and 5.4 rebounds. So his playmaking was way up, like you said. He was just splashing threes left and right. Uh... I would love to see him in a role where he's like co-starring with Lowry yeah. instead of he's definitely the one, Lowry's definitely the two. They did have that going in February. How those two sort of handle shot selection will be one of the most interesting trends to watch this year because coming into the season, if you could pick anyone who you would like to see lead the team in field goal attempts per game, for me, that's marketing because I would like to see how he would handle a, a bigger, steadier diet of offensive opportunities. My guess is that that won't be possible with Levine running most of the pick and rolls and being the de facto point guard, I think, in a lot of ways, even with the arrival of Thomas Sederanski. Tomas. Yeah, and to that point, I think this point basically illustrates it. If you look at the clutch, and like we, I think we talked about this on the marketing pod, uh, we were looking at like his fourth quarter numbers. They just really not there. So if you look at the clutch, just like the breakdown of the Bulls' offense in the clutch, Levine took the very large bulk of those shots. Uh, he was number nine in the NBA in terms of clutch field goal attempts with ninety seven in one hundred thirty six minutes. Relatively efficient, forty two point three percent compared decently favorably with other high volume guys around there. The true overall true shooting percentage was, or his true shooting percentage was okay, but the team really struggled. And I think part of that might have been him kind of getting tunnel vision sometimes. Uh, if you look at the next closest bull, uh, just Lowry was down, I think, under 30 attempts. Otto had a decent amount as well, but like, again, Levine was just like way out ahead of the pack. And I think the Bulls offense probably did suffer from that sometimes. Like, Levine hit a decent amount of big shots last year, but there were also times where he made some really bad decisions. His assist-to-turnover ratio was uh, bad. He had 20 turnovers to 12 assists in terms of in term, in uh, clutch minutes, which I think clutch minutes is basically like last five minutes of fourth quarter or overtime with a score uh, within five points. Uh, the uh, Bulls' O rating with Levine on the floor in the clutch was only 93 so while he himself had some decent numbers, took a lot of shots, uh, the team itself just wasn't that good. And I think that's going to be something really interesting to watch with the Bulls. Should be a better team, so they'll probably be playing, especially a team that will probably be like mediocre, which means they'll probably be, at least hopefully, be in a bunch of close games. It will be interesting to see how that that shot uh, distribution shakes out. Will it be Levine taking, again, like three times as many shots as the next guy in the clutch, or will we see more distribution with, with Lowry, with Otto, and with other guys? Yeah, definitely something to watch out for uh, in the monitor this year. But we do have to talk about the flip side of the coin with Zach Levine, which is defense. Levine's defense, 
uh, hotly debated. I would say that a lot of uh, pretty much everyone agrees he's bad besides for like in some certain moments where it's he's like a one-on-one defender. He can hold his own occasionally. Uh, but, you know, everyone agrees he's he's poor defensively. Just how poor might be a point of contention, point of debate. But uh, just looking at the raw numbers, RPM, defensive RPM, out of 227 guards in the NBA, he was number 194. So, uh, you know, that tells you right away that the metrics don't like his defensive impact. In terms of his impact on the team, I don't have the plus-minus numbers in front of me but i know the bulls finished 28th in defensive efficiency they were bad like in general (laughs) so the bulls uh would be a team that could really benefit from having some good individual defenders on the roster instead they have a guy like zach levine who is mostly a one-way player he's a guy who offensively can be very productive while still uh you know not truly being elite by any stretch but productive good offensive player no doubt about that uh the defense takes a couple steps back though for sure. And one of the things that, uh, talking about the ESPN ranking, I believe it was, I think Zach Lowe did the little blurb about him, or he might have done the Lowry one. I can't remember what exactly, but he's, Lowe has talked about the Bulls recently, and he's kind of intrigued by them, but he's talked about Levine as basically like that empty calorie score. Like, is this going to be the year where he turns, he turns empty calorie scoring, whatever you want to call it, or just the n- raw numbers with points and assists, whether he turns it into impact. And the defense is going to be, I think, where that happens. Like, he's going to get his numbers. He's going to put up, whatever, 23, 24, 25 points. I don't know if he'll score quite as much this year. And if the if the other guys are going to get more shots, again, we just talked about that. We'll see. But in terms of making that two-way impact, uh, the Bulls tra- when the Bulls traded Jimmy Butler, Jimmy Butler is a legit two-way player for, they get a couple nice, they get some couple nice young pieces out of it. But they're still looking for that legit overall two-way stud. Like, will Zach Levine ever be that? Like, I mean, he's been in the league, what now? This is going to be five, sixth year, I think. Like, obviously he had the, the one year cut short by the ACL and the year coming back from the ACL was were kind of a wash. But, I mean, he's always been this guy as super exciting dunker, good, great shooter, can can get buckets. But he's always been on bad teams. His defense has played a, played a role in it. Like, is this just what he is? Does he have more room to grow? I mean, he's still only 24, basically. And again, I think he does understand it because he's talked about he's talked about getting better on defense. He's putting in a lot of work. He's had a few interviews come out recently just talking about how he's sick of losing, how he understands that to get respect, to, to be a guy considered for Team USA. Uh, uh, he did a recent interview with Darnell, and he's talking about uh, the, art, the article title was like, Zach Levine knows, he's like the, knows why he's the Rodney Danger field of the NBA because he doesn't get any respect, and he knows why, because he never wins. He hasn't won in the NBA at all, and part of that is just playing terrible defense. So it, I, I guess at this point, you just got to hope that he can get to a passable level. Like he does, he's, not, I don't, he's never going to be, he's not going to turn into this point like a shutdown defender, something like that, but he just needs to be passable, and obviously he's, the team hopefully maybe being better. If Wendell Carter Jr. being really good helps, like just better team defense overall. Zach just got to be a better defender if he wants to be considered one of the best players in the NBA, if he wants to be an all-star all the time, if the Bulls are actually going to win games, if he wants to play for Team USA and stuff like that. like He's just going to have to be better on that end. I don't know if it's ever going to happen. Uh, I'm still holding out some hope, but I mean, it's he's been in the league for a while now, and it just really hasn't really come through for him yeah, on and that end. That's why I wanted to state his salary and his rank in the league salary hierarchy right up front, because... Uh, I think that he is carrying a lot of the Bulls' hopes for pulling off this rebuild, somehow building a championship contender. He's not going to be the best player on a championship team, that's for sure. He's probably more like 
the fourth to sixth best player on a championship level team, but also he's not getting paid like the best player yeah. on a championship team. Everyone thinks he's got this huge contract. He's only 56th in the league. Uh, we'll talk more about Zach coming up, but I think Jason, you want to, uh, we got, we have a word from our sponsors. We need to get to real quick. We sure do. Few of us on the show use Harry's razors. If you visit their website, you can check out all different shave sets and face care products. So join the 10 million who have tried Harry's. Claim your special offer by going to harrys.com slash bluewire. Why should you try Harry's? Please, let me tell you. Harry's founders were two regular guys tired of getting ripped off and paying for overpriced razors. Harry's makes quality, durable blades at a fair price, at just $2 per blade. If you don't love your shave, please let them know and they'll give you a full refund. This summer, and going into the fall, refresh your wallet and your face with the Harry's trial set. Comes with weighted ergonomic handle for an easy grip, a five-blade razor with a lubricating strip and trimmer blade for a close shave, a rich, lathering shave gel that will leave you smelling great. It's always good. You want to always be smelling good. And then finally, a travel blade cover to keep you razor dry and easy on the go. So listeners of our show can redeem their trial set at harrys.com slash bluewire. So make sure you go to harrys.com slash bluewire to redeem your offer and let them know that we sent you to help support our show, Cash Considerations. Jason, at the end of the hard week, at the end of a hard week, it's great to sit down, take some time off, and watch some football. I know I did that with the Bears game last night, and you'd listen to Jason and I talk about it on Chicago Shuffle, another Blue Wire podcast that Jason and I did. Game-winning touchdowns on two-minute drives? Dope. Running backs racing down the sidelines with no one to stop them. You gotta love it. There's nothing else quite like the NFL, and there's no better way to make the games even more exciting than to bet on them. So do the smart thing. Gambling, always the smart thing. And go to mybookie.com, or mybookie.ag. I'm sorry. No one gives you more ways to win than they do. My bookie's got the fastest payouts and better lines than any other sport book. Don't forget, where you're betting is just as important as who you're betting on. And mybookie.ag is the best in the business. That's where I play, and that's where you should play too. I wouldn't be telling you guys to bet with them if they weren't the best. Do the smart thing. If you're going to bet this football season, bet with my bookie. If you're the kind of guy that likes to bet a little to win a lot, try a parlay. If all your picks come through, you'll multiply your winnings. And no matter how you bet, NFL season is the best time of the year to do some gambling. Join now, and my bookie will double your first deposit. Use the promo code BLUEWIRE to activate that offer, and that is a sick offer. That's promo code BLUEWIRE. Visit mybookie.ag today. You play, you win. You get paid. All right, let's go back to Zach Levine. Uh, we got a great question. We asked uh, listeners for some questions, and the GOAT, Stefan No, who gets mentioned on every single episode <laughs> of Cash Considerations, uh, he sent us a great one. He said, This is good. Uh, who had the better age 23 season, Zach Levine last year or Ben Gordon in 2006-2007? Their numbers are really close. Alternatively, how would your opinions change on each of those guys if we swapped their roles on each of those teams? Here's a side-by-side comp. Uh, so he's talking about the 2007 Bulls. Was that the team that beat Miami in the first round? Uh, that would be because the Heat won the title in, in 2006, yeah. and then the Bulls, I believe, swept them the next season, I think. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that's it, yeah. Uh, I'm pulling up the 2007 Bulls on basketball reference just so that uh, we can see all the shot breakdown of that. But uh, Stefan 
like Stefan said, the numbers are unbelievably close. I mean, Ben Gordon, 21.4 points per game. Uh, Levine at 23.7. Assists, Levine slight edge, 4.5 to 3.6. Rebounds, Levine a slight edge, 4.7 to 3.1. Is uh, a three-point field goal shooter, Gordon was better at 41% on 4.6 attempts per game. Levine, 37% on 5.1. Man, if Ben Gordon played now, he'd be one of those 10 attempt oh, yeah. per game guys. Absolutely. Uh, Zach Levine, better two-point scorer. That's important. 50% uh, on his two-point field goal. Also, Levine, just a much more explosive athlete vertically going to the rim. Yeah. I think that that is a no-brainer for anyone who's seen him play. In terms of true shooting percentage, dude, identical. identical. 57% yeah. for both of them. Steel, steel percentage, 1.3 to 1.2. <laughs> Uh, assist rate, very similar. Levine is the slight edge, 22% to 20%. So, yeah, I think that what Stefan is getting at here is that the perception of those two players, and I'm assuming that's positively for Gordon. I mean, I don't know. When I was uh, Bulls and I rooting ben for Gordon. Ben Gordon, though, he was very polarizing. Now, I wasn't on the internet, like, debating people <laughs> yeah. about Ben Gordon. I was probably talking to my dad. Uh, but in general, Gordon was the third pick in the draft. He was someone who... While an explosive scorer, he was a minus defender, and he didn't really have point guard skills. I really liked Gordon, but I wonder if most Bulls fans viewed him as, you know, it, 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 the guy was the third pick in the draft. You got him and Dang. Like, I don't think he really lived up to, like, true superstar hype. No. Uh, however, I don't know if he had it either. Like, in that draft... Mecca Okafor had it, who was his college teammate at UConn. Dwight Howard was the only other player drafted ahead of Ben Gordon that year. So it's an interesting question. I think it taps into the perceptions that, you know, modern-day Bulls fans definitely seem to have a favorable opinion of Ben Gordon, and they seem to have a negative opinion of Zach Levine. If you put uh, Zach Levine on a team with Luol Deng, Kirk Heinrich, Andres Nocioni, P.J. Brown, Ben Wallace, you'd have a lot of defensive anchors there to cover him up. The team defense would be a lot better. We probably wouldn't be hearing too much more about uh, how poorly Levine's individual defense is because he's got a bunch of awesome defenders around him, which c- certainly isn't the case on the current Bulls. Uh, and, like, could Ben Gordon carry the Bulls' scoring load mm-hmm. in terms of, like, driving the ball to the basket right. the way Levine did last year? Levine was top 10 in the league, I think, or top 15 at least, in drives per game. Uh, He was really great at just taking the ball to the hoop. That was never Ben Gordon's game. So very interesting hypothetical from Stefan. Do you have any thoughts on it? Uh, I mean, just looking at also some of these advanced numbers, like Ben, this Ben Gordon season was actually really freaking good. Like, I know win shares isn't always the best. Like, some of the advanced stats, always, again, there's always caveats and all that kind of stuff. But Ben Gordon had 8.6 win shares that season. Levine's last season was 2.8. So, the, like, the win shares were 48, much better. Uh, Gordon's offensive box plus minus was better that season. His VORP, I think it's value over replacing player, was almost twice as high as Levine's. Like, that was a really damn good Ben Gordon season. Uh, and, I lo- and I will admit, right, I loved Ben Gordon. I had a Ben Gordon jersey. He was my favorite player on those teams. Uh, I believe there was, I actually saw a Ben Gordon video, a workout video going around, re- I think, last week. Uh, so that was kind of sad. I think he had some issues recently, but it seems like he's getting back on track. Uh, and it was cool to see him out there getting buckets again. Uh, yeah, I, in terms of being like an, a, an alpha on like a on like the like last year's Bulls team, like probably he, I feel like he would not have fared as well, and the perce- he probably his season probably wouldn't have been nearly as good. But 
I mean, this is a really good Ben Gordon season on a really good team. So, I mean, that's just really impressive. Like, if you put Levine on that team, what do he do as well? I guess I don't. I don't really know. Like, this is a really damn good Ben Gordon season. So that is that, that is a great question though. Because again, I love Ben Gordon. I've been coming around on Levine. Like, I'm not gonna say like I'm a Levine stan at this point, but like, I'm definitely opening. I think I'm 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 definitely rooting for him. I say that. I think he's he's got the right mindset. Uh, and I'm just really, really interested to see if he can get to a level where he plays just really well and is a and is a good player on a good Bulls team like like Ben Gordon was. He was a good player on a team that went to the playoffs. So we're kind of hoping that this ver- new version of the Baby Bulls can do what they did and then more. It was obviously that that Bulls team kind of hit a wall, and I think that's one of the big questions. Like those Bull- Baby Bulls teams were fun, but they never had that guy that could really get them deep in the playoffs and. We're kind of hoping Zach Levine can be that guy, but we're just not sure yet. Uh, man, it would be nice to see Zach Levine on a team with prime defender Luol Deng, Ben Gordon, Andres Nocioni, yeah. Heinrich. Like That's the type of defensive infrastructure that could really hide him and cover him up well. Uh, Jason, we had some more Twitter questions. I'll let you yes. read some of those off. So I think kind of playing into what we were talking about, like a guy being like a true, whatever, number one face of the franchise type guy. We just got this question in from Wesley. Uh, I believe he's asked us a few questions on these pods, which is really good. He says, how would you define the face of a franchise? How would you define it for the Bulls? Can Zach be the face of the franchise? What would he need to do to get there? Bonus, name your favorite three Bulls face of the franchise. Obviously, we've kind of talked about this. Like, he has, has to get better defensively. Even then, like, I guess it'll be interesting to see if him or Lowry, like, can, like, differentiate themselves. Like, how do you define the face of a franchise? I mean, he's the guy that... I mean, sells the most jerseys will play a part of it. He's the guy that they pr- promote the most in terms of, like, commercials and, like, marketing, I guess, would be part of it as well. Like, who are the guy they're sending out to, like, talk all the time and be a part of these ad campaigns, stuff like that. Like, I think right now, like, Zach and Lowry are probably in a similar spot when it comes to that on this current team. Like, who, I guess, who, like, right now, who would you call the Bulls face of the franchise? I feel like the face of the franchise means the player who's most symbolic of the organization. And to me, that would be Zach Levine because uh, Zach Levine's got a lot of doubters and the Bulls have a lot of doubters too. So in terms of both of their shortcomings being uh, highly publicized, I think that Zach Levine is kind of uh, the model for this Bulls rebuild, at least right now. He's someone who... uh, you know, while productive and promising and maybe full of potential, it just hasn't really seemed to translate for him. So uh, I would say Levine, but for the Bulls to take that next step up, I think that, you know, it's likely that the current face of the franchise isn't on the team. If it is, it's probably Markinen, who, you know, everyone's always loyal to the guy you drafted, not the guy you traded, because for as good as Zach is, he'll never be as good as Jimmy. Uh, I think that that would be really optimistic to think he could ever get to a Jimmy Butler type of level in terms of impact. Butler's still, I think, a top 15 player in the league. He is on a lot of these preseason rankings. We love the homegrown guy, though. Uh, and, you know, it's on marketing to take that next step up and to wrestle that sort of uh, type of stat- stature away from Zach. And in terms of favorite Bulls face of the franchises, I mean, obviously MJ, obviously. Uh, and then, I mean, D. Rose uh, in the 2010. And then... Noah, would you call like the oh, season yeah. that Noah was out in twenty four? Like Noah was probably the face of the franchise in that 2013-2014 season with Rose out. So definitely, probably him. Like, I, and I was a big Jimmy guy, but those Bulls, like the twenty, the three Alphas Bulls were miserable. So like, I can't really put him over Prime Rose, Prime Noah, and obviously Michael Jordan. Sure. Um, let's see. We got a few more here. Here's a good one, actually. Actually, let's go. We'll we'll do this one first from C, our guy C Red Fred. Um, with the absence of Victor Oladipo till 
January or whenever he's going to come back. The departures that the Pacers have had. Hasn't the delta between the Pacers and Bulls decreased considerably? Brogdon is often injured. Jeremy Lamb is Jeremy Lamb. Nice player, but not that great. Is Zach Levine the best player on either team until Oladipo returns? Ooh, well, no, because he's not the best player in the Bulls. Right, we, Otto Porter right. is. Otto Porter. Uh, I, I do like this Fred take, though, because I'm a Pacers hater this year. I actually, yeah. I actually just wrote something for... Uh, my, the betting site, Bet Chicago, Bet Indiana news, new website, uh, doing some Pacer stuff is there cool. as well. And I did. Uh, I was looking at their over unders, and their over and their over under is like forty six and a half. Oh, like pound the under. And what? And that's what I said. I said I still think they'll make the playoffs, but like, if you look at some like the at the analytical models, like I think five thirty eight might have had them at. 39 or 40 and then like Pelton had him I think at 42 I, I don't see any like they've won 48 games the last couple seasons but they were on their way to like 50 plus wins last year Oladipo gets hurt midway through the year and they played under 500 ball the rest of the way obviously like Brogdon is good like Lamb is pretty solid I mean Miles Turner they're gonna hope he takes another step uh but yeah I think I mean I feel like there's no way the Pacers get to 40 whatever it's 46 47 I would peg them probably 40 243 like they're the t- they're a team the bulls could possibly creep up on if the bulls do have a good season uh in terms of like like zach comparing to their roster i mean you could we already said out we probably think out of porter's better you can argue about marketing uh, miles turner's probably a better overall player than uh him at this point i would probably say brogdon probably is too but it's really close if you look at the those espn rankings i think brogdon was right behind levine or right around the same thing so I mean, that, that'll be really interesting. And the Pacers in general, like, who knows how Oladipo is going to come back from that injury. Like, it's a really rare injury that NBA players usually don't get. So I think that is a really interesting question to see how the Pacers do this year compared to the Bulls. And the Bulls are going to sign Victor Oladipo in 2021. It's <laughs> the, the Victor Oladipo plan. What is that injury exactly? I was like a, I was a torn quad tendon in his knee. Uh, I think I was reading up on it when I was writing this article, and like Charles Barkley had it at like the end of his career, basically ended it. Tony Parker had it a couple of years ago, and obviously he just fit, he was basically a shell of himself the last couple of years and just retired. So like it's an injury that NBA players usually just don't get. So it'll be interesting to see how a guy in his prime and a guy who relies a lot on his athleticism how it affects him. Love it. Yeah, uh, we had a few, again, a few more. Uh, this is here's another good one. This is from T. Alexander at Ellis Ty. What's the gap between guys like Devin Booker, Donovan Mitchell, and Zach Levine? And I'm going to throw in there a guy like Jamal Murray. We have talked about this a bit on some uh, previous pods because obviously Devin Booker's just signed a huge contract. Jamal Murray this summer just signed a huge max five year contract. And when we look at the, we talk about the Zach contract being four years, seventy eight million, and compare it to guys like Booker and, and Murray, and I feel like Donovan Mitchell is going to get a max from the Jazz at some point in the next couple of years here. And Zach's going to be making basically like half amount, the amount of th- as these guys. And I don't think the gap is that large. Like I think Booker probably is better, but is he that much better? Is he like to be making whatever, like 150, 160 million compared to Zach's 80? Donovan Mitchell has obviously also had, he's had success in the playoffs. That really did help him. I do wonder if the Donovan Mitchell love got kind of went overboard. Uh, a bit. I, I I like him. I think he's really good. I don't know like if he's gonna be like if he can lead the Jazz to a title. Like the Jazz are a really good team. They're gonna be awesome this year. Getting Mike Conley should really help. Can Donovan Mitchell be like that go-to guy, or is he gonna be a little too efficient? I think he gets a little chucky sometimes, kind of like Zach. We've kind of seen it from Booker as well. And Murray, we saw Murray in the playoffs go like like oscillate from 
unplayable almost to a guy who absolutely lights it up. That Bulls game that they played in Denver this year, they kept going under the Jamal Murray screens and he was just drilling threes in the right. Like he has those games and then he has other games where he's a disaster. And we saw that in the playoffs sometimes. So that's why I, I don't think Zach is that much worse than like any of those guys. And he might be almost be on a similar tier. Okay. So those four guys are Murray, Booker, Zach, and who's the fourth? Don, Donovan Mitchell. Yeah. That's tough, man. I guess my perception going into the year is that I would say, well, like team context just plays such a big part in it too. Right. Like Mitchell is in a much better position to succeed with Rudy Gobert behind him. Like, yeah, almost everyone smart agrees that Donovan Mitchell isn't the best player in his own team, uh, and that Gobert is, even though Mitchell might have the better, bigger profile nationally. Um, I don't know if I had to rank him. I'm I'm tempted to put Booker number one. Mitchell number two, Zach three, Murray four, but I don't know. It's very close, as you said. Yeah, I, I, the Murray thing. I think that's the one that's most interesting. I'm really curious. Just the Nuggets had to do it. Like they, I mean, he's he's obviously good. He's shown a lot of promise. He's still super young. I think he's only twenty. He might only be twenty one still, or maybe he's twenty two at this point. He turned twenty two in February, but just like he has moments where he's just complete disaster. Obviously, they're they're hoping that he. As he continues to develop, as the Nuggets, I mean, the Nuggets are going to be a championship contender this year, arguably. I mean, they're really, really damn good. Like, they're going to hope that he can, he'll get out of that. But, like, yeah, I don't think he's a guy like that. It's that much better than Zach. I think it's really interesting. And we'll see if Zach this season can can improve uh, on both ends and maybe get into that and get that kind of respect. Again, this is kind of just going back to, like, the respect factor and how Zach doesn't get it because he's never actually won anything. So, like, the Bulls are going to have to play, play well and win games for, I feel like outsiders to actually think of Zach Levine as a good player and as a difference maker. Like it's this time is that's why this is such a big season for him. It's such a big season for the Bulls because if they don't do well, like I feel like if the Bulls like uh, crash and burn again this year, I could see the Bulls looking to trade Zach next off season. So it'll be really interesting to see uh, how that happens. Uh, next question is from Icon at Icon eighty six. What do you think is the best minutes per game for Zach to maximize his impact? He says 32 minutes a game. Not sure about the bench scoring when he's on the floor. I mean, I feel like in general, like teams are looking to keep guys like under 35. I think keeping Zach at probably 34, 35. He's a young guy. He wants to play. I think you can go higher than 32 and go to 35, 36. I, I don't want to go much higher than that. Again, that's just, I feel like a trend around the league. Like we don't see guys really that many guys playing 40 minutes per game anymore. That's just not a thing. Teams are getting smarter about resting guys, making sure they're fresher for the end. So I'm thinking 35 minutes a game, 35, 36 is probably pretty good. What was he at last year? I think it was at 34 and a half, maybe. Less is always better. I feel like, like yeah. even last year he was, he was logging some big time minutes, uh, yeah, it's 34 and a half on the dot, actually. Yeah, so I think that there or less would probably be beneficial for him. That is totally fair. And I think we've got almost all our questions in. Uh, I guess this last one, we've kind of we've kind of addressed this at this point. Just uh, just finish up, though. It's from Billy. It's just, again, this plays into the defense factor. If he became even an average defender, above average defender. Do you think Zach would be considered a superstar given his production? Do you, And do you think that his efficiency will get even better this year with even better, hopefully better players around him. Superstar. No. Uh, I mean, what would he have to do to actually become a superstar in terms of team success and individual success? I would say he'd have to be an all-star. The bulls would have to win a playoff series and he would have to be considered nationally the best player on the team. At that point, maybe he's a superstar. Uh, 
but even then it'd be tough. I mean, that definition, how many superstars are yeah, there in the league? Right. It's like 15 at the most, but uh, probably even less. Yeah, I mean, we had, going back to Jimmy, I feel like there were, that convo was had around Jimmy, like, and people thought no. But that, some people people's definitions of superstar definitely aren't or don't always line up. Like, you can argue that there's only like five or six superstars, and it's like LeBron, Steph, Durant, Giannis, Davis, uh, and like James Harden, maybe Russ at this point, and then like anybody after that, it's like not other. You can say top fifteen, top twenty guys. It definitely changes. Zach obviously has a long way to go. I think to be to get that kind of respect to be a, considered a superstar player, it will be very interesting to see. I'm really I'm excited to see how Zach does this season again. He's been putting in a lot of work. We've seen it all on his Instagram and on his Twitter and all that fun stuff. And with the Bulls hopefully taking a leap this year, hopefully he does as well and starts getting that respect that he's never had. I like. I guess final question: Like, do you would you right now if I had to ask you, gun to your head, do you think Zach Levine will be an All Star this season? Uh, yeah, I'll say yeah. Why not? Let's go with yes. All right, I like it. I, I, I somebody asked me this on a different Bulls pod. Like, man, and, gun, like, to, gun a, to my head though. I would say no. Like, if you literally put a gun to my head, yeah. I would probably, I would say no. I, so I guess no is my literal answer to that. But I think he could be an All Star this season, perhaps. Yeah, I so again, somebody asked me on a different pod. Um, like, give me a hot take for the Bulls, and I said they'll have at least one All Star, and I think there's a decent chance either Zach or Lowry is an All Star for the Bulls this year. I don't like both would probably be pushing it unless they both somehow come out and play like they did in February and they're both averaging like 25 a game on great efficiency maybe they could do it but we'll see I I think it could absolutely happen as well especially if he puts up the numbers in the week in a weaker Eastern Conference I think with being in Chicago maybe he gets some love for there I don't know it'll be very interesting to see uh, I think that you got any other Zach Levine takes or are we done here now we're done here this has been the 50th right. episode of cash considerations we did it Jason we did it. Uh, thanks for listening to us. As always, we have to shout out the Blue Iron Network for putting on our podcast. Uh, we'll be back next week, and we'll actually have uh, you know media day, the start of training camp to talk about, right? So yeah, uh, yeah. Next week will be media day podcast. So that's super exciting. Yeah, it's coming. Although I guess media day never is that exciting because it's usually just cliches, and we'll just get angry at John Paxson saying nonsense. But well, it's great since. We- <laughs> Go ahead. Great podcast material, if nothing else. It, it is, yeah. We can, yeah. If anything, we can rant about stuff they say. But I think this year we're a little more optimistic, so maybe we won't be as angry about stuff they say this year. So I'm maybe I'm kind of hoping for that. Like I'm, I like we've said this before. We don't want to be, we don't want to be negative. We want to be ha- optimistic and happy about the Bulls. Maybe we'll we'll actually be that for the after this media day podcast. Uh, as always, you. Ricky, you mentioned Blue Wire. Please go check out all the great pods in Blue Wire. Please rate and review us at all the places, Apple Pods, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, all that fun stuff. Also, as Ricky mentioned before, please do check out Chicago Shuffle, uh, the Blue Wire Bears pod. We filled in, or I filled in as the host. Ricky was one of my guests with, with friend of the program, Zach Lee, as well. We talked about the Bears' victory over the Washington Redskins on Monday Night Football. I believe we'll do, we'll be doing at least one more of those, so... Bears Vikings next week. We're all going to be also going to be talking about that as well. So that should be a lot of fun. So between that and Bulls Media Day coming up, we got some good stuff to talk about. So uh, from Jason, Ricky, Cash Considerations, Chicago Bulls Podcast. Take it easy, guys. We'll talk to you next week. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. 
If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.